Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. You have now entered the House of Mystery with your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. FM Riverside and 1050 AM Palm Springs. Tuning in tonight, we're welcoming to the show uh, Jeff Harmon, astrologist. How are you doing today, Jeff? I'm doing very good, thank you, Al. Yeah, fantastic. So it's uh, it's a real pleasure to have you here. Um, Thanks been very interested uh, in this field for a long time. We have a lot of listeners that are. Um, so let's start. Let's, before we get into the meat of it, um, let's talk about um, who you are. So if there's people out there that don't know who you are, um, let's give a little bit of history. Well, I'm just uh, a, a standard homo sapien human being like the rest of us. Um, I, I actually grew up with my mother being an astrologer. And um, what, what got me interested in it, in the 60s, I saw medical astrology sitting around. Didn't think too much of that at the time. But then in the 70s, she started really nailing down my girlfriends. And I got very inquisitive. I'm like, how are you doing this? And, and that really got me started in it, in astrology. And I, I've, I found that there was a lot of difference between what ancient astrologers do and the way modern astrology is looked at. And when I say modern astrology, I'm primarily talking stuff that was from the 19th and 20th century forward. Um, in the 80s, um, I, I really was very much scientifically bent. Um, I had at the time been very much studying electronics and physics, and I was also a musician. And that's astrology came back and kind of kept finding me. Um, I had a studio in the late 70s, early 80s, where we would do commercials. We were doing industrial films for companies, you know, in the Chicago area. 
And I also did a lot of musical production and, and commercial production, too, and I really enjoyed it. And astrology was right alongside of me. I, I would start, you know, being inquisitive with certain people and finding out uh, various different things about their personalities, and I, I'm always always struck at its accuracy. But it was in the early 80s is when I started really getting privy to the ancient stuff in a, in a more aware way, and um, where I really started putting it into practice. And by the mid to the late 80s, I was finding this rich ancient source of astrology that was, when I say rich ancient source, it primarily came from the court astrologers uh, through the medieval times up into the late 1600s. Now, one of the better-known astrologers was the English-speaking William Lilly, who in England basically advised um, Parliament as well as King Charles. And, of course, we know King Charles, through history, got his, uh, he was beheaded because he went against Parliament. And he actually cast a chart with Lilly, who, again, was a court astrologer. When I say court astrologer, I mean uh, he actually was a consultant to the court in in the kingship, you know, in the kingdom, and this is actually a prominent thing that happened quite a bit for a couple of thousand years throughout Europe. This is nothing new. This was clearly all the way back to Alexandria, Alexandria, Egypt. Um, also, um, many places in Egypt had this. The Holy Land, uh, Greece is well known, Syria, Damascus, all that. So really some interesting history. And, and I think the last 20 years, I have more and more translations coming out from various sources that are absolutely proving this. And why it was superior to modern astrology is they actually used astronomy as a language scientifically applied to divinational electional and also um, uh, birth chart analysis like if the king said should we go to war tomorrow or should we take a particular course of action a divinational chart was cast not on someone's birth chart but literally based on the consciousness surrounding the query the question and they would then analyze that and this is nothing new because this went on in Egypt, this went on in, in India, Tibet, most of the whole Eurasian Asian continent as well. There's, there's uh, India's even more rich. It's yeah, amazing. Well, what, what happened to the astrologer when they told uh, something wrong, like the king, and he got beheaded? <laughs> well, that's why they wanted to be accurate because they didn't lose their pay. They used to be <laughs> they lost their head. <laughs> It wasn't like just some cases. <laughs> no severance package there. Right, right. That's what you call a severance package. Yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> one you don't want. One you don't um, want. Well, why yeah. did they change? Like, like, okay, so that was going on. So what? What was the change to get into this modern astrology? Well, that's a great question, and I'll tell you why. My opinion is, in the opinion of of several other people who do this. Um, I think it fell out of grace. I think there's a number of reasons why. First off, you had this, uh, in, in fact, this actually parallels the Industrial Revolution. What happened, the, the Egyptians and the ancient societies knew that Jupiter and Saturn conjoined every 20 years, but it does so 
approximately every 1,000 years in very special conditions. These are called the Great Conjunctions. Well, the last major conjunction we had was right in the early part of 1700s, approximately 1702. It ushered in the Industrial Revolution, the left-brain, scientific, show-me-don't-tell-me world. And that's exactly when steam came in, and we've been on a crescendo ever since where it's all been science, it's all been primarily um, physical growth and, and technological growth. Prior to that, we were in another age, and, and that was actually more of, a, of an age of artistic and spiritual, even though there was a lot of war in there. Um, but it was. It was much more of a, of a um, spiritual realm. Um, there was a lot of mysticism going on. We hear about John Dee, uh, the Enochian magic, Queen Elizabeth. But if you go back even deeper, there was a lot of very deep Kabbalah going on way back to the Solomonic times, um, which, of course, is prior to the birth of Christ and, and that whole Solomonic magic era, the Chaldean, the Egyptian, that was a, a, a major page that I think got turned about a thousand years before that. And um, that's, you know, I, I hate to say this, but uh, Rome, I think, was quite instrumental in, in abolishing that whole stuff, uh, the, the, the Solomonic stuff. Uh, I'll just call it that, at least, or the Egyptian Solomonic era. And then a thousand years after that, of course, we have, we're right in smack in the Middle Ages, you know, right around the 1100s, and, uh, you know, 1000 CE, AD, whatever you want to call it. And then the Industrial Revolution happens right in the 1700s, and now we're actually up for the next major change in 2020, and that is what we call a mutation conjunction. And uh, I think we're about ready to explode into a very high-tech place that's going to be somewhat like the Jetsons. Everything they projected back in the 50s, like the 80s were going to be, I think is what's going to start happening in the 220s forward. Mm -hmm. We're just in a real compression right now with all the world economics and the... Uh, well, the crazy stuff that's going on, and it's been pretty nuts. And ever <laughs> since '08, we've seen this catastrophic financial train wreck, which is still probably even worse now than it was then. We're, we're and that's exactly what the astrology says. And, and I think 220 is going to usher in a reset, a new direction. It's only five short years from now. Wow. Uh, does that mean shoulder pads and big hair? No. <laughs> God, I hope not. That's the 80s, yeah. yeah. Now, so do you think yeah. that uh, things are, are really, I mean, it's been it's been messed up, but is it really any more messed up now than it was uh, 40 years ago in the world? Like, uh, you oh. know, I mean, it seems that way, but it just... It just it, I think it's different now. I mean, you got a different world than where we were 40 years ago. I mean, the 70s... You know, Nixon took us off the gold standard, and you, you had a lot different world. Now the world is much more advanced. I think the Internet alone has changed the world. I mean, you see big, huge places like Best Buy now are looking at closing places, seeing storefronts going away. People, I mean, now it's UPS and FedEx trucks going to everyone's houses. 
I mean, yeah, the world definitely changed. It's definitely a, it's changing, and economics is going to change. Uh, warfare, everything is changing, and even though we're still running around pumping gas, I think there's technologies emerging that have been on the sidelines that will become available here in the next 50 years. That's pretty much going to blow our minds. Um, it's already there. I mean, look, look at you can take and and, and draft. Um, a three three D drawing and print a wrench out. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's, that's, that's something called sterile lithography. You couldn't even think about that stuff in the eighties. It was around, but not like it is now. Yeah. I mean, it's it's we're we're exploding, and that's what the astrology is saying. But but not to get too far off, we started about what's different about the ancient astrology versus today. I, I would say, th- you know, the biggest. Thing that m- probably most people can relate to is everyone's heard that their sun sign is who they are. And this is really um, a 19, probably 30s to 1960s innovation. There was an astrologer over in uh, England who popularized that, I won't mention, but then Linda Goodman is more known here, and then of course we've got the sun sign books. In, in the Kabbalah, the sun in the tree of life is Tippereth, and it's known as the seat of the ego. It's really who we think and believe we are, but it's not who we are. It's, it's kind of the present personality's egofication of who am I, what makes me different than everyone else. It's not just the clothes, the cars, the shoulder pads, and the big hair, if you have those, but, but it's, <laughs> it's more the sense of self. And in psychology, that's you know, what psychology pretty much addresses in a lot of ways is how is your definition of you able to cope and interact with everyone else's definition of them? Well, that's why sun sign astrology has some efficacy. It, it does seem like it's accurate, but it's, it's really the ancient astrology never referred to us as our astrology. The, the one that shines quite brightly still is Jyotish astrology, which is out of India, known also to many people as Vedic astrology. And there's other ones, too. There's, there's Nadi, which is much, much older. And then there's some of the Mundai stuff. That It's really old. And, and it could literally be five, 6,000 years old or plus. Um, and the, why they, they looked at your astrology was the forces upon you in this incarnation. Now, right off the bat, that requires your belief in reincarnation, which I'm a very big advocate of, because I I just don't think God would have rained anything on us like this other than if we created it. And that's what you're, in my opinion, looking at with ancient astrology is energies that are placed upon you based on what your soul and also you as a spirit created. And there's a big difference between the spirit and the soul in this type of astrology because the spirit is the collective elementals that we kind of created through the incarnations and this lifetime. Psychologists will call them beliefs. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of Dr. Emoto, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Emoto, who just left us probably not was just a few months ago, great guy, um, he gave us a legacy that or left a legacy that is wonderful because his books, Messages in Water and so many others, prove what the ancients said, that thoughts are literally things. 
you know, and the positive thinkers have been jumping on the bandwagon for the last 30 years, think positive, think positive, and of course, think positive. And I agree with them. I think they're right about that. But the law of attraction, which really came from Abraham Hicks and, and Abraham and all that stuff, the channeling, is right. But what I think gets lost a little bit there is people, everybody wants positivity, everybody wants abundance, and we all should have it. But we also have to factor in why then do we get the crap storms we get? And maybe, just maybe, there's some energies coming at us that we don't consciously recognize. And and a lot of the positive thinking is think positive to get rich, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with getting rich. But I find using the ancient astrology, it shows through transits, progressions, and doshas, and many other techniques particularly the Egyptian as well, you see there's forces upon us that are cycle or cyclic, and, and we can't explain. Like, like for instance, um, when I do readings, I'm very blessed because I get to do readings every day. And I'm seeing you know, individuals who may be young to old all exhibit the effects of these cycles that ancient astrology shows. And how can that be? You know, it can't be rationalized away by just positive thinking or or other things. You know, like everybody wants good things to happen, then why sometimes do we have energy points or phases that are challenging? You know, even the location astrology, you change your location, you clearly change your energy. And it's amazing how accurate it is. It's so accurate, it's creepy. That's literally where you shift um, where you live. You have different energy points, like ley lines. So that's why I think ancient astrology was better, is it viewed it more scientifically, number one. It didn't just focus on, you know, more uh, what I would call trivial stuff. Um, Though there are some modern astrologers who don't just, you know, they do use very good things, and not all modern astrology can be just hand-waved as bad, because there's a lot of it that is good. Uranian astrology is, is quite good, uh, which is more of a later arrival that came in, you know, early last century. Um, so, well, I think, a lot. Uh, yeah, I'm oh, sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, I think a lot of, some of the more modern might be a little bit more drive-through. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, and, instant, you know. What, what's that? It's a little bit more instant. Um, people want that quick quick answer. Yeah, and there's, you know, when you look at the average reading, I even prepare sooner than 30 minutes. Just can't do it. What do you do, actually, to prepare? Yeah, yeah that, well, the reason why is, is when you look at the degree of complexity that any individual has, their location astrology, their progressions, their transits, and then to factor in Vedic astrology, I mean, and I'm working today with computers that are very powerful and programs that are very sophisticated. Years ago, I mean, when my mom and I were doing astrology back in the 70s, even up into the 80s, we were casting charts by hand. It took you 30 minutes to just get a chart ready and, and start reading basic stuff, where today I can cast a chart in about maybe three seconds. You know, boom, it's done, and you're, you, 
you, you just are in, in interpretation rather than calculation. Uh, an ancient court astrologer would have someone run outside, take the shadow of the sun with an astrolabe, and they had special devices called astrolabes. In fact, I actually have one here. They're amazing. And they knew the latitude they were at. And then they'd have another astrologer, the assistant, drawing all the planets and the houses and all the degrees and minutes. And then the master astrologer would get that and interpret it. It was a real process. <laughs> Quite a bit of work. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of work. I mean, even one of the, the teachers that I had, he said to me, Jeff, you must always cast chart by hand, right? And I, that was in the 90s, and I came in in the late 90s with a program that did Vedic astrology. And he's like, oh, my God, is that fast? And I said, ah. He says, can I have a copy? And I said, no. I says, you must cast your by hand. He says, forget <laughs> it. I always, he says, I want a copy. I said, yeah, you bet you do. I mean, literally, it took us, you know, a good 20 minutes just to, to calculate everything. Yeah. And if you make a mistake, you know, you, you have to go back and change it. But, but back to the, the subject at hand, I, I would say um, there's a lot of reasons. It, the techniques alone in ancient astrology are superior. Again, today everyone looks at their astrology as their birth chart, where I would say probably 60% of the work I do is picking times for stores to open, contracts to be signed, marriage elections, uh, travel elections, uh, electional astrology is what George Washington, uh, Benjamin Franklin, uh, who else, uh, people like J.P. Morgan, uh, Ronald Reagan, um, and many, many of the, uh, the old Hollywood folks use, and that, that is picking auspicious times to commence an important event. And that is not your birth chart. That's literally picking a time at which the energies are very congruent for what you want to accomplish. And you can't, it's very complex. It's one of the most advanced types of astrology. And so how long does it take you to do? Now, if, now if a person asks you to do a reading for them that you've never met, what would the process be? Well, usually I, I recommend um, that they do a personal reading, which which really that's all about their astrology, the cycles they have, what energies are coming at them, and also their location astrology, which really gives them a full gamut of where they're at and where they're going. And then during that time, I often have people ask questions. It could be about relationships. It could be about um, whatever it is. I mean, some people have everything from relationships to lawsuits. And usually I get that, or career issues, and I use a combination of their birth chart, but mostly I use another type of astrology called interrogation. Interrogation is just like it sounds. You're interrogating about something. That's the divinational type of astrology. In India, they called it prashna. <clears throat> In fact, they still do. In Europe, it was called interrogations, and the Latins called it horary. Um, which just means you're casting a chart for something you want to know about. And um, amazing. Yeah, I mean, I've had people say, you know, where's my cat? You know, I've had people say, I just got robbed. Who did it? And, you know, yeah. you can actually do a type of forensics astrology with that. And, and uh, so what would a, how would a person go about doing their own 
doing their own astrology? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's books out there to learn it. Um, the, the problem is to learn it, the, the, the proper methods, which I believe is really tr- traditional and classical astrology and Vedic, is not, not an easy learn. It's a five- to seven-year process to really get good at it. But they, they could certainly do that. Uh, there's computer programs out that do the calculations. I would recommend, you know, they seek a professional that's been doing it at least 20 years or more. Because it, it's just, you know, it's like, you know, it's like going to a mechanic. You, you know, if they do it every day and they got all the tools, they're probably going to be good at it. Do, doing it on your own is not that easy. You can. Yeah, yeah. Then get the Linda Goodman Sun, Sun Sign book, and that's what you got, you know. Yeah. What's, what, what's your biggest recommendation for someone then that's interested in pursuing astrology themselves? Oh, they want to learn on their own? I would say the traditional stuff is probably a great place to start. Traditional meaning, um, this is the, the, it was referred to in two ways traditional or classical astrology. Um, my favorite source material is stuff like Banati. Uh, Mashala, um, also um, Dorotheus out of Egypt. This is old stuff. This is stuff that relates to 300 BC or 300 CE, however you want to say it. Um, the Kabbalah is also another great source. Um, but again, it's advanced stuff, and you almost need a teacher to learn it. Oh, yeah. You know? oh, I, I would say so as well. Yeah. But. But some people, I think, I think there's a general idea. But you know, people, you know, get home from work, they open up the newspaper, and they see their, uh, you know, what what their forecast you would say yeah. is. Yeah, there's some vague generalities there that sometimes line up. You know, usually those. I've actually been asked to do a lot of columns like that, and I won't do it because it's too too trivial. You know, I've got too many clients that want detailed stuff like they're asking about finances and specific investments or specific deals and that's um, important you know people have to realize jp morgan might have said it best millionaires don't use this stuff billionaires do and they keep it quiet <laughs> they, they really don't um i have a lot of clients where I always, you know, and, and they do the same thing. They recommend not telling the other party they're using it. It's it's kind of like a stealth tool. Not that you're doing anything uh, detrimental, but you're, what you're doing is um, you're, you're keeping it close to the vest. Uh, like I have a lot of people will sign contracts, uh, do store openings where the owner or the president of the company is doing it at certain times and directing things to happen at that day or time. Um, film producers, I do a lot of stuff where um, you know, they're signing contracts with the key players, you know, directors, actors, where they, they'll um, sign the contract at a certain time that's auspicious for the deal so that everybody wins, that there's no dissension. Right. So you know? it's, it, it's, it's really more about, oh, how do I say, the whole... The whole aspect of it, it's not so much about the financial gain or or winning. Do you know well, a lot of people do it for that. You know, well, I know yeah. if, if I do a deal and I'm trying to make something successful, you know, I wanted all the gain, you know, finances as well as, you know, the enjoyment of it. Yeah, absolutely. Right. But does the astrology itself really 
talk about that? Or, you know, is it really directed toward financial gain or is it more about the whole effect? Well, it's very specific. If you're signing a deal, well, here's a good point in case. I have all the time where people are setting up a corporation or an LLC or they're doing a restaurant opening or they're opening a business of some kind and they'll say to me, Jeff, you know, we need an election for the grand opening or we're signing a cut. Like I have A-list actors and actresses where they'll say I'm doing a deal with such and such film company and we've got, you know, so-and-so the director who may be nice and may not be nice. How do we make this deal work the best way so that A, it's financially successful, but more importantly, Oftentimes, the deal working out equals financial success. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, yeah, the astrology is very specific. And how it works is the eastern horizon, which is constantly changing every day because of the rotation of the earth. See, that's why we have sunrise, noon, sunset, and midnight. The earth isn't, the, the sun isn't doing anything except staying in the sky. We're rolling around on our axis at about 1,600 miles an hour, approximately, depending on your latitude. But the bottom line is, when you commence an act, not when you think about it or, or, or thinking about doing it, it's when you sign a contract, say I do in a marriage, uh, close on a house, grand opening on a restaurant, or whatever it is that you're doing, that moment in time, the eastern horizon has a planet that rules the ascending sign. And, and in Egyptian astrology, it's very detailed. Because you may have other planets that co-rule it. And you want to make sure that whatever it is you're doing, whether it's a marriage, that's seventh house, first house, you want those two planets to be in harmonious aspect. If it's a financial pursuit, like you're investing in stocks, you better have the Lord of the Second doing something very lovely to the Lord of the Eighth or the Tenth, you see. So it gets really specific. How does this affect a person's religion? Well, <laughs> religion. <laughs> well, yeah. without, you know, we don't have... You know, you know yeah. George Carlin might have been right. The best thing to come out of all the religions was the music. Yeah. The, the, um, <laughs> you know, religion is something... I always respect, and everybody's got their own version of their religions. Most religions have taken astrology and heaped it into the sorcery pile. Um, and it's interesting because I'll, I'll oftentimes get someone running up with their Bible, look right here, it says astrology is the work of the devil. And I'm like, really? Um, and if you go back to the Vulgate translations and prior, which is really when the Emperor Constantine put together Rome, and this is before the Protestants and all that, because this is the founding of it all. Um, it's some very interesting history, because there's things like the Nag Hammadi libraries that were found in Egypt, and all these fragments of documents that show the Nicene councils, I don't know if you're familiar with all the points, not that I'm a historian, but I've studied a lot of this, where it appeared the churches, the early church, was, was not wanting to contend with divinational practices of astrology, electional astrology, and birth chart astrology, so it just got heaped right into the sorcery bin. So anyone doing anything outside of the confines of the church's doctrines was considered to be sorcery. And the Kabbalah was another one that got it the same way. Right. Where India 
you know, because of Hinduism and Tibet and, and all their those religious, they didn't get affected as much, it appears. And, and the, the proof of it is the documents that are extant right now. And, and I have a lot of documents out of India and Tibet and different genres that came out of that. Of course, Buddhism and all that came out of there, too. But in general... That there wasn't the religious persecutions of those practices like there is in the West. And, and I think that's what, on our topic earlier, why that's part of the reason, not the only reason, but part of the reason why astrology fell out of grace right at the Industrial Revolution. You look at the Quakers, you look at the Pilgrims, and, and the persecutions and the really tight reign that the church had. Look at the Salem witch trials, even though that was a little out there. But there was a lot of religious persecution, particularly by the church. And look at the Inquisition, if we go back to the 1300s. So there was a lot of dissension there. Even if you get into the Knights Templar and the Masons, what the dissension was there between the church. I always laugh when they say, but these were holy wars. Really, what's holy about a war? Mm. Especially when you look at someone rotting in a field after being murdered. Um, but long story short, all the crusades and all the stuff that happened with these religious persecutions of the doctrines of the church, there's a wonderful book out right now, it's called Jesus Wars, or The Jesus Wars. So it does relate to astrology, because there's overwhelming evidence that many of the popes, when they died, they would find huge corpuses of astrology uh, underneath their beds or... You know, the Vatican Library is probably one of the most vast collections of esoteric knowledge next to the British Museum. Um, it's pretty pretty vast, and God only knows what's really there. I mean, the Pope, I know, takes a bathtub in a um, bath surrounded by the Zodiac. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting stuff. And, and I, I think when you go back to the times of one of my more favorite astrology, Ibn Isra. Ibn Isra was a rabbi who was probably one of the most prized court astrologers in the 1100s, in the 11th century. He was basically carted around from Italy, France, um, England. Uh, he wrote a lot of stuff in England. Um, and some of the best astrology we have, it's actually quite late in the game. Um, traditional astrology was really thought to be from about really put together between about three four hundred BC up till maybe the eight hundreds. That's that's when it started falling apart then. And um thank God for the House of Wisdom, which was a bunch of Arabian sultans who decided to translate all this stuff and put it into Latin that we still have much of the ancient knowledge, because most of it was lost through these so called holy wars. But um in any event, that's where I think religion you know, religion is always, I've got a really good letter from the rabbis in Prague, France, and Spain, right before the Inquisition, to Maimonides, who was a very prominent uh, Judaic figure in, in Jerusalem. He was a healer. And they said, we're doing all this wonderful thing with astrology. We're helping people understand their their modalities and, and, you know, their cycles in life, we're helping them, medical astrology, all that, they mentioned it all. And he wrote back scathing attacks because he said, 
you have to be careful with this because people will believe in astrology rather than God. And I agree with that because that's one of the things I always try and tell people is God is above astrology. And, and if you look at the hierarchies, you, you have God, then the seraphims, the cherubims, and the thrones. And the thrones are the third hierarchy down that are believed to be the guardian angels that bring us souls into creation. And then you have the dominance, virtues, and powers. And, and you know, all the Hubble telescopes and the quantum physicists and everyone with their scales and meters and dials and measuring things, you're not even in the physical plane yet. The archangels, angels, spirits, and intelligences is right when you start kicking into these physical dimensions where the gas clouds and the universes and, or I should say the galaxies, not the universes, are all forming. And then we, we get down into the physical realms. And there's a lot of, you know, I'm not sitting here saying I know what the heck's all going on, but there's a lot of viewpoints on what this is. Some people think the Earth is the center of the world or the universe, and, you know, I don't know if you've heard about the latest scientific theories, but some are postulating that. Others say, no, you know, we're just a planet floating around the sun, which I'm much more subscribed to. But, um, you know, religion has always been at war with astrology, and I don't know that it ever won't be. Yeah. Yeah, well, actually, we have the uh, the guy with the where everything's revolving around the earth, right? Coming up. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, no, we, we get to hear it all. Well, I, I agree with one standpoint. If you yeah. look at the Z- zodiacs, there's something very special going on on earth. Um, you know, most people who are astronomers laugh at astrology because they say the zodiacs don't line up. Well, they never really did. But if you get into the Kabbalah, there are every single degree of the zodiac has an angel ruling it. Um, so you know, now we start getting back into the Goetic stuff, which is very ancient um, Solomonic stuff, where they knew in Egypt, well, in India they still do too, where they, there's angels and deities that ruling each segment of the zodiac and the Bible. If you take Exodus, Exodus is much deeper than the last Ridley Scott movie, especially that one. But but I, I would tell you that there's 72 angels to that rule. Well, there's there's uh, each quintessence, each five degrees of the zodiac is ruled by a group of angels, and there's 72 of them. And there's 72 to the good, and there's 72 to the severity or evil, if you want to call it that. And the zodiacs are divided up into just breathtaking, angelic divisions and this isn't just theory you can actually correlate that to very specific scripture if you take the psalms in the bible which was not originally in the bible that was actually a standalone document called the tehillim and there's a book in hebrew and aramaic called the shemush tehillim which has angel names encrypted and encoded in the verses and just like exodus is encoded and three verses called the Shem Hamaphorish. And it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And you start getting back into Earth must be an exceedingly divine place where souls congregate. I, I call it the soul cauldron. Because you know, I'll, I'll predict something with a thousand percent accuracy. I know I'm not wrong about this one. None of us will get out of this 
plane in this body. We're all going to, as we know it, call death. Well, we're going to experience death. But I don't think anybody dies. I really don't. Um, if you factor reincarnation in, which is, I think Vedic astrology elegantly demonstrates that, um, you are experiencing this three-dimensional five-sense world through these incredible bodies that start out as an embryo and die usually in a state of wither, um, depletion. And um, no one gets out of here alive, no matter what age we pass. And I think the most valuable thing on this planet to a soul is consciousness, our self-awareness. And so how does that take you to your beliefs, like a, a reincarnation? So how do you feel about that? We have a, a lot of guests on that are, um, you know, uh, speaking to, uh, you know, spirit or uh, ghosts, as we would sure. say. How, how is your finding on that as compared to astrology? So ghosts and, and energies after death. Well, I, I think that there's a lot of spirits, entities, elementals. You, there's divisions of them. You, you have, like, I do a lot of work in that. Um, I have clients who are people you wouldn't think would use stuff like this. They're very linear people where they'll say, my house is high. I had a judge once in Beverly Hills. I can't mention where he was a judge, but he said, I'm a judge. He says, you've got to keep your mouth shut about this. This was many years ago. He says, I thought my wife and the maids were crazy. He says, we thought the house was haunted. But he says, I've now experienced it. He says, we believe it's haunted. So this is something I've been doing for years, is clearing homes or buildings and spaces where if there's a suicide or there's some violent act committed, oftentimes the victim will dwell on the astral plane. That's the Yetzirah plane in the Kabbalah. And there's many dimensions to that. Consciousness seems to root the individual there. It's kind of like the movie Ghost. You know, you dwell in between at some point. And it takes a lot of etheric vibrational energy. That's why a lot of them are parasitic. They'll either inhibit someone else's soul or body, I should say. Um, and they, they're parasitic. It's very detrimental. Um, I've actually experienced many conditions where people have had disincarnate souls attached to their aura. One wonderful book on that, um, in my opinion, that's irrefutable evidence is Dr. Carl Wickland. He wrote a book that's now out of print called The Unquiet Dead. No, no, that's not the word. That's Edith Fiore. Uh, what is it? Uh, 30 Years Among the Dead. That's what it is. Have you ever heard of that book? No, actually I haven't. But. It's an astounding book. Absolutely a must-read. Dr. Carl Wickland was a very astute uh, psychiatrist who graduated in 1916 from the Chicago School of Psychiatry and magically ended up in Los Angeles because of his high honors um, in the Los Angeles County Mental Institution. And he did not believe in anything except hardcore science, right? In fact, he's the guy who I believe either invented or popularized shock therapy treatment, which is still used to this day. And the reason they use it is because it often takes schizophrenic patients and clears them up for a period of time. And the reason why, you basically blasted the disincarnate out, out of the aura of the uh, individual. 
And he didn't know why, he just knew that it worked. And um, so anyways, long story short, Dr. Carl Wicklund, Mr. Linear Left Brain Scientist, was in the Los Angeles County Mental Institution, ironically, right at the birth of old Hollywood. This is the 20s, you know, it's just right when Valentino and everybody was there. Anyway, long story short, as fate would have it, he goes to a party, meets this beautiful woman who just happens to be a psychic channel. Uh, now, if that isn't Dr. Jekyll meeting Mr. Hyde, or you could say polar opposites joining. So he falls in love with her and marries her. And, you know, again, here's a guy who didn't believe in anything. If you read the book, you'll, you'll get it. It's all in the foreword. Elegant book. Um, anyways, he basically did not believe in anything except science. He agrees to attend his wife's channeling session, and because he's a scientist, wanted to evaluate whether there was something going on. Well, she takes on this particular individual who looks at him, I don't know if it was right away, but within a short period of time, she took on an individual who looked at him and said, you're the one who keeps shocking me. And he goes, what do you mean? And the person possessing his wife's body proceeded to explain in grave detail the very uh, bad shock therapy treatment that went awry about three or four days earlier. And he said, there's no way you could know this unless you were present. Because I, I guess he had done some shock therapy on someone that went pretty, pretty hideous and awry. So he said, evidently, you must be controlling my wife's body. And he said, well, of course, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so-and-so. And, and he said, well, do you have a wedding ring and a dress? And the man looked down, of course not. And he says, oh, my God. He says, you're right. He says, I'm wearing a ring and I have a dress. He, and he said, evidently, I am controlling your, your wife's body. And he determined, it's all in the book, so I don't know if I'm paraphrasing this right, but he, he basically determined this was a man who had lost his life some point in time earlier, attached to someone on a train and ended up and by the way I think his patient it's in the book his patient came from Chicago and uh, as well and and um, became schizophrenic but here's the ironic thing the patient cleared up after he got this person to realize his condition so it's really fascinating stuff <laughs> but I do this a lot I clear places I just uh, cleared a ranch I, I can't mention where but um, I get a lot of ghost situations where I'm clearing homes, people, um, entities. You know, Hollywood, I get a lot of work out of Hollywood because there's a lot, in New York too, because there's, those are old cities. A lot of folks go out there to make it famous. They commit suicide, or you'll get a lot of uh, individuals who have, you know, very hard times, drug overdoses, etc. And there's a lot of souls dwelling in, on, on the lower plane. And if, if one can get them to, to become conscious and move into the light, great. But a lot of them won't. A lot of them don't want to leave, but a lot of them don't want to wake up. They're doing what they're doing because that's what they want to do. And so how do you, how are you clearing them? Like, a, like traditionally, like a lot of Psychics. That well, there's first you, you want to banish the the area, and I find some entities will not go. You know, that's one thing you'll hear a lot in some of the more new age stuff. Is oh, we just get them to go into the light. Well, a lot of them won't. Sometimes you have to incarcerate them, 
and there's sacred geometry in the Kabbalah that you can actually force them through. There, there's some real procedures one has to do. Usually it's a banishing technique. I had one place in Burbank I just did a few years ago. Um, they were laughing at me, and it was pretty wild. Uh, they're like, who do you think you are? You know. And I actually use some very powerful Hebrew and Aramaic. I actually put it on the walls, and it was a flashlight, and it left. Um, I, I run into all kinds of stuff. This is stuff I don't like to do all the time because I feel like a Q-tip in a mud puddle sometimes. I, I get my own energy gets really drained. Um, that's why I kind of enjoy just doing the readings and the clients. I have a lot of retainer clients that I do a lot of business astrology for, and that's, that's my main business. But um, I, I do, and, and I've cleared individuals themselves, too, um, where sometimes, like, I've had mothers who've had children who've really had some pretty nasty stuff on them, and there's certain, you know, Benjamin Franklin was a master at magical squares, of course, that's what he calls them, but they're really, in India, called yantra, and in the ancient Kabbalah, they're called angelic squares. And just like a physicist will hit a tuning fork, or we can study uh, what we call resonant standing wave theory, where there's there's a vibration that resonates with something else. That's how these angelic squares work. And um, it's fascinating stuff, boy. I'll tell you, India, the ancient India had a boatload of those things. China, too. Uh, ancient China, Tibet, and all that. Um, but the Kabbalah is riddled with this stuff, and there's some very sacred vibrational things you can do with the scripture, the psalms. I often custom design angelic squares for an individual reading their energies, and then sometimes we'll put them in the soles of the shoes of the child, and I'll have the parents pray certain scripture over that to charge it, and then... Um, you know, the proof comes back in what you hear. The, the mother, oh, oh, my God, he's cleared up, and he's doing better, or she's doing better, or whatever phenomena it was has seemed to go away. Even abductions, I, I've seen this stuff work on, where people have said, you know, I'm getting attacked at night, either by entities or UFO abduction. This can, can help that as well. Wow. So almost into a possession, sort of. It is possession. No question about it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. In some degree, you know, we're, we're tainted by the, uh, yeah. by the, you know, the Hollywood versions, but. We're all possessed, either with our beliefs or our idealism or egoism. But then entities can, there's a something, you know, the law of attraction was pretty close because she was right about that. Whatever you think and believe with feeling, you're going to attract. The problem is whatever we're vibrating, consciously or unconsciously, we're attracting too. And therein is the rub right there. So it's almost like a destiny. Well, it's a vibration. You know, it's it's like, that's why most of the saints and the prophets were right. They would tell people, if you really want to purify the aura, go into a, um, a wilderness place, the desert, or whatever, and, and purify the aura. Because the angels say they can't get to us. We're so full of what we think we think we know, and we're so full of our own makings, We're right. like barnacles. Yeah, our our image, or yeah, our ego. So now, that's right. The, and and when you read astrology now, so you're basing it on like the houses or the the planets. As I, I guess we could say, hasn't it changed a lot over the years? So like you know, two thousand years ago, they were seeing, and it was a different place to read? Do you kind of get what I mean? No, the tropical zodiacs actually fixed. What has changed is the precession of the equinoxes. See, if you take the sidereal zodiac, it's not the same. Every 72 years, our sun moves about one degree. It's approximate. In fact, NASA places us at about 480-something thousand miles an hour. In fact, we're going so fast around the central sun called Elcyon, that they say the planets aren't really orbiting around our sun. They're spiraling in orbit behind it. That's how fast our sun is going. Um, so that zodiac, we're ne- that's why you can't get the same chart twice, especially if you're using fixed stars. Can't get it. Um, 
you know, you take a telephone pad, you have 10 keys on there omitting the star and the pound, and you can call anybody on the planet. In astrology, you got 360 degrees, you got 12 houses, you got the seven inner planets, the three transcendentals, you got thousands of fixed stars, and then you start entering in all the geometry, can't get the same chart twice. Never going to happen. People, that's why the sun sign stuff's a bunch of errant crap. It, it fits a little bit, but it's it's not very, there's not a single person. You look in their eyes, nobody is the same. We're souls having physical experience, and the astrology's not us. It's the influences upon us. Have free will, then. Of course. To, to choose. Well, yeah. I mean, that's my, my take on it. I mean... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you take one person, I, I see it all the time. You see uh, somebody who has a, a malefic transit or a benefic transit, they all react differently. You know, and the interesting thing is I've had, and this always gives me pleasure, if, if I can help somebody. I've had, you know, one guy who's a psychiatrist, he said, I don't know what the heck's going on. He says, I'm actually got a friend of mine writing me a prescription. He says, ever since this date, I've, and we moved to this location, I've been really impressed. And I said, well, look, you just moved on a moon-Pluto latitude crossing. I said, your emotions have to be fingernails on the chalkboard. And it's exactly what he said. And I said, also, you've got some very nasty progressions that started right here. He said, oh my God, that's right about when I started having all this emotional trouble. And then I said, but look, it's going to leave over here. You know, and what's interesting is he was believing me because he said that's exactly when it started and plus when he moved to this location. And I said, but you're going to find it's probably going to back off over here. Well, immediately that changes one's reaction because most of us are fear-based, you know, and, and I'm that way too. We all are. We, we all fear, oh, my God, it's going to get worse. It's going to even get worse, you know, and we're all programmed for you know, you know, everybody thinks we're going to be herded into a FEMA camp any minute, right? But it never happens. So, you know, the point, not that it couldn't, but it, it hasn't yet. And everybody's been saying it's, it's going to happen for the last 50 years. So yeah. long story short, when people get a perspective that the energy they're experiencing has a finite time, a beginning, a middle, and an end, they react to it differently. You know, it's like the driver going down the road in the car. If you see the Mack truck running the red light, you're probably going to hit the brakes and avoid a, a very challenging collision. You know, it, it's the ones that don't see it that end up, you know, so on you, the other side. So that's what astrology is like. It's like a radar report. The future going. So you said something about a big change. In oh, uh, well, I mean, I can just tell you that that's been a, a topic I've been on some radio shows talking about. I think... Right now, we are, you know, I've got a lot of clients who are really heavy players in the financial business, and, and a lot more, they know a lot more than I'm ever going to know about finances, and I don't think anyone would disagree that right now, the entire transatlantic western financial system is pretty much a train wreck. Ever since 2008, which, by the way, the astrology showed that. I remember in 2008 collaborating with a couple of astrologers and going, wow, 
something's got to give here, and it did. The mortgage collapse happened. The big bubble crashed right on the Saturn-Uranus opposition. That was back in 2008, 2009. And then we've been, since 2012, we've been in something called a Uranus-Pluto square. Now, what's interesting is Uranus and Pluto are what I call the transcendentals. They're the outer, they're, they're outside of Saturn. Saturn rules the mundane world in in the Kabbalah, and the outer transcendentals seem to affect things outside of direct consciousness. Well, Pluto's always been referred to as, as the planet of transformation and power. Uranus and Pluto have been in square, and they do so seven times if you include what we call the heliocentric aspect. Helio means what an astronomer would look at, not Earth-based or geocentric, but helio. So we've had six um, geocentrics, and we had one um, helio, and that was in 2013. The final, now get this, the Russian ruble crashed, and the oil what I call the owners, like George Carlin referred to, the owners made Saudi, the House of Saudi and, and whatever powers that be pull down the oil price globally, which basically knocked Putin, basically Putin hit the end of his leash and got yanked down on the carpet. So that happened exactly December 15th or very close to that. Um, and that's precisely when the Uranus-Pluto sixth aspect was there. The seventh aspect happens March 17th of 2015, coming right up, you know, uh, today, of course, at the 19th but of, of January. But um, bottom line is, this is when the next one hits. So interestingly enough, this is probably going to... Um, precipitate a lot more chaos financially in the world. I've heard from some fairly reliable sources, and I shouldn't say this, but I will, but one particular individual who's in, we'll just say the Pentagon and Washington, has said globally there is hundreds of trillions of dollars. When you look at the U.S., the collective domestic product of GDP of countries in Europe, and China has been buying gold like crazy, so has Russia, and many other of the BRICS nations. They're, they're polarizing against the petrodollar system. So what's on the plate right now that the astrology is showing is we've got a crap storm coming at us that is probably more colossal than the 2008-2009. And I think we're going to see that get touched off this March with wild volatility um, forward, and uh, this is also what we call a Shemitah year, which in the Kabbalah is a 49-year cycle that actually commenced last September and ends this coming. So we're in it right now. There's the blood moons that have been happening. Uh, they're going to happen again this spring, um, right after the Passover. See, the spring equinox happens March 21st. That's when the the sun in its tropical zodiac ingresses into Aries. And the next new moon is the Passover. And that, there's some blood moon eclipses on this. So I expect more trouble in the Middle East. More trouble in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. So now when these things happen, does it really matter who we have in leadership in the government? Like when you're saying the owners of... Uh, 
of, of the oil company. You know what I'm saying. There's big owners. Well, big I was money. talking more about the owners of the financial system controlling the oil company. Yeah, that's kind of kind of the, the pyramid direction. goes higher. Yeah, yeah, kind of the direction I'm in. So, does it really matter what we do in that sense of who we have in government? I mean, they might make little changes or you know changes for us socially, but the reality and it, it wouldn't this collapse sort of happen doesn't and it doesn't really matter what we do well you know that's a that's a good that's that's definitely a mouthful there because <laughs> well where we're at i mean here's what i can tell you what the astrology says i think we are heading quite possibly to something that is a little more orwellian than george ever came up with George Orwell, right. and and that is, we're probably from the indications I'm hearing from people again who know a lot more about finances than I do, are saying that there's going to be a colossal meltdown in Europe. The Europe financial system is look, look at what just happened with with the uh, the Swiss franc. It, it just increased almost thirty percent. Well, that's a sign here. We're going to see the euro likely break up. And we could see some serious upheavals in the whole European financial system, which, again, if you look at, you know, a lot of people say, well, the Fed runs the U.S. Well, the Fed is the clearinghouse that seems to run the U.S. dollar's money. But there's a, 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 a lot, I think, going on up above that, which is the whole transatlantic financial system. Russia right now is trying to get an alternative, and so is China, to this to the SWIFT banking, not the Swiss, but the SWIFT, you know, the S-W-I-F-T, yeah. um, transfer system. They're coming up with an alternative to transferring money. Um, they're trying to parallel or get get an autonomous financial system from this whole petrodollar IMF-controlled system, of course, known as the BRICS nation, and the wand swap is popping up all over. We're seeing there's already a war going on. World War III is already here, but it's in finances. And the derivatives markets, from what I've heard, you know, the, the Bank of England, the Bank of Scotland, Deutsche Bank in Germany, I mean, they're just silos of derivatives. And interestingly enough, China's been selling bonds <laughs> and going to buy gold with them, and so is a lot of other countries. But there's there's some who say, well, the United States is going to cave in, dry up, blow away, and the dust is going to be bought up by by China. I'm not so sure about that, um, because the astrology shows we're in for a major upheaval. And this every time I've seen the Uranus Pluto square happen. It le- and I, I actually have a, a newsletter. Uh, I've been negligent on my newsletters because I've been so busy the last uh, six months, but I, I'm about ready to put out another one, which details the history of these astrological aspects. They've always left mayhem, both economically and in weather patterns, and this is exactly what we've been seeing. So I expect this next couple of years to be bizarre, Absolutely unpredictable, bizarre. And I think 2020 is a major trigger point. And I would not be surprised if we end up with a cashless society where the IMF 
or some other organization like that comes out as the clearinghouse where these bankers reintroduce a global currency. Right now they're playing with SDR, special drawing rights, and there's all kinds of things on the table. Um, but China can't afford to lose us either. Yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. they're not just going to take their gold and start doing business. I, I think what we're seeing is is a major. Um, I think we're seeing a major stalemate here. That's there's going to have to be a global solution to the the colossal problem that's stacking up in the West and what's going on with trade in the East because they're inextricably linked. You know, I mean, we, we have become a consumer nation, not a manufacturing nation, though there's a lot of high-tech stuff here. But it's, we're, we're at the crossroads here of a new era, and I, I, I don't 100% see war as the solution. That's what the astrology says. It shows a financial regroupment, and these pl- people that George Carlin might have referred to as the owners far above anything might be the ones that come up with the solution behind the scenes, and we end up in a electronic cashless society. And we we're close already. How many people go to the gas station, the grocery store, and just run the old debit card? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, so I, I haven't now. used cash now for so long that I'm part of the problem. <laughs> we're right around the corner. And you look at the electronic chips, the, the, and I'm not being, you know, paranoid and conspiratorial because some people get to the point where, you know, they can't watch football because when they're in the huddle, they think they're talking about them, you know. I, I would just say it, it's really a, um, it is kind of eerie in some senses when you look at it. You yeah. know, the, the news media, everything is so controlled. So now how does astrology help us in that part? Um, well, usually when I'm doing readings with someone individual, we can look at specific concerns um, about where they're taking their, you know, I'm not a financial advisor, I can't give financial advice, but I can certainly tell them, like I work with a lot of clients who I, well, they'll go to their financial advisor, get a bunch of strategies, and then we'll look at if the astrology says it's correct, you see? That's an interesting approach. And again, through business, there's a lot of ways we use it. Um, executing contracts, you know, um, even selection of lawyers uh, and doctors. We, we've said, you know, is this doctor in my best interest or is this one? Um, again, I can't give medical advice, but I can certainly see what the astrology says about a given situation. You know, and, and that's where it's really useful. Have you ever been scared by something that you've seen? On a person's reading? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I usually warn them. Um, one in particular was ended up on the, on the news. There was, a, um, there was an interesting story. This was quite a while ago. My son had just been born back in early, uh, I think 2003 is when this happened. So he was about a year old. Um, there was a, a gentleman who had met a lady at a spiritual retreat who was getting a divorce. And I did a reading for him and for her and for her husband at the time. And she was a prosecutor in Kansas. 
And um, I'll never forget, she then filed for divorce, and there was a child involved. And um, she called me up one day and said, you know, we filed for the divorce, and we got joint custody. She goes, do you think I'll ever get this resolved between me and my husband, and I'll be able to go be with the new guy? And I said, well, I don't know. Let me cast a chart. So I cast a chart, and that I did get scared. I said, you know, I didn't get scared, but I, I warned her. I said, this chart, you've got to be careful here. I said, this chart looks like you're in danger. And she says, well, my ex-husband is really, you know, he's just volatile over this. And, you know, understandably so. And, and um, he was a college professor at Kansas State University, and she was a, a prosecutor for the state of Kansas. And I told her, I says, you know, be careful. I said, this guy looks like he could really be violent based on what I saw on the chart. There's ways you can see this in astrology. She was besieged by malefics and applying to a very malefic one. So she had actually moved away um, from where she was living in Manhattan, Kansas, by about 40 miles. So they had to commute to get the child, you know, the custody where they'd share the child. Well, I got a phone call. I remember I was in Beverly Hills. That's where my office was at the time. And I got a phone call from the boyfriend. He says, Jeff, I can't get a hold of Carmen. He said, I think something's wrong. So I cast a chart, and I went, hey. I said, looks like something's wrong. And then he called me back a little bit later and said, Jeff, I just got word that she was murdered, and but the police won't tell me how. And so I cast another chart, and I said it was with a knife, and it was extremely brutal. And sure enough, he flew to Kansas, and um, she was stabbed 20-something times in the throat. Ooh. And it was the ex-husband, but they couldn't catch him. And then I've got her friends all calling me up and saying, the police haven't arrested him. And this went on for almost a year. And I said, don't worry, they're going to get him. I said, this chart shows he is going down. And he did. This made national news. Um, he basically got life plus 20. They never, ever got any hard evidence on this guy, except when they... The forensics um, detective team found on his college computer a number of searches on how to kill someone and get away with it. And that's why it was very hard. They couldn't get any DNA. They couldn't get any uh, blood. It was all treated with chemicals, but they got them. That was one. Uh, I've seen a number of charts where, like, missing persons uh, were, um, you could tell they weren't coming back. Right, right. So it's children involved, which is very sad. And that, how does that affect you? I mean, I know. Uh, well, it's fascinating. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I really hate to see violence. I, I think violence creates karma. Not, not only do people get put in prison for it, but the karmic implications, if you fact, that's what Vedic astrology really is, is looking at your collective karmas. And the interesting thing is, is if the soul changes, the angels seem to change the way the karma plays out. So it's not just some predictive, faded thing. It's a very sacred thing, the ancient astrology. Right. Far beyond what I or anyone else can fully perceive. So, so when you get asked the question of uh, astrology, is it, is it a science, art, or religion? Like, how would you answer that? I would say it's a combination of an art and science. 
that basically proves what religions failed at proving in some ways. Not that all religions have failed, but well, they, they're yeah. yeah, it's not really complete, is it? It's not. Well, I mean, if it was, they'd be creating a little more peace and harmony on the world, wouldn't they? Well, I would hope. <laughs> <laughs> so far, last I looked around, I don't think the Muslims are doing too good, and the Christians have murdered each other for the last couple thousand years, though they've gotten better lately. Um, but well, yeah, yeah, they just got better at covering it up. That's oh, I'm terrible. I'm <laughs> well, there's a lot of good people in religion. There, there's a lot of good people. Yeah, yeah, there really is. And I've you know, I actually had an opportunity. I, I filmed Mother Teresa back in the late. Well, 70s or early 80s in Chicago. I, I had it in my studio, and uh, the guy who hired me said, you know, we have a very special guest coming today. And I says, oh, really? And he says, yeah. He says, so make sure everything's right. Make sure you have plenty of video, film, and audio tape. I said, yeah, no problem. So all of a sudden the cops show up with bomb-sniffing dogs and everything else. Next thing I know, there's little Mother Teresa. I'm giving her a hug, and she was on a panel, and we, we filmed and audio recorded her for nearly three hours. So she was really a, a wonderful lady, and I, I, she didn't say much. She was very quiet, but very—you could just tell she was a great soul. Yeah, quite an experience. Some people said negative things about her. My my take on her was she was very about the moment of birth and conception. Uh, ah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, why you know why is the moment of birth uh, crucial for astrology? That's a good one. Um, you know, the Egyptians actually put more emphasis on the conception chart, um, and there was a way to derive that. There's some really interesting things about your parents. Oftentimes you'll find the ascendant in an individual is the same degree of the sun or the moon of the mother or father. Um, there's an old book in Hebrew that's called the Sefer Haggadah. Some people pronounce that differently as the Haggadah Da, but I, I call it the Haggadah. And it's, it translates Sefer is book, Haggadah is legend. So it's the book of legends, and it actually talks about how the guardian angel will seek through the matrix of the solar system the soul um, into the embryo at conception when it actually roots. Now science will tell us, well, come on, the egg just got fertilized by the sperm. <laughs> okay, well, that's, that's a nice, trite scientific chemical analysis, but maybe there's a little more going on there sacredly. And they say the silver cord is attached by that guardian angel to the embryo. And the soul is outside of the body, obviously. And that through the nine months of gestation, there's a, the soul is brought around and looked at all the karma and all the stuff by the guardian angel. So you have total vision spiritually but then when you as george Collin would say you come tumbling down the vaginal cavity out into the world <laughs> at first breath the um, angel ties the soul into the body and they mark our nose to our upper lip with that little mark we all have they call it the fistula that, that at that moment in time you're knocked out you can't remember anything now, some people do. Some people are clairvoyant and they can see spirits and such. But most most people, let's face it, we can't remember where we came from. We don't know who we are. We don't know where we've been and on and on. So um, unless we start doing astro travel and some pretty deep stuff. In other words, it's not readily accessible. And the reason why is that we can experience the unfoldment of free will 
and experience on a physical plane, which is, of course, the life. And the astrology at birth is the commencement of the physical plane beneath what you would call the veil from Saturn in. That's why the ancient astrologers only, and so does Vedic astrology, only uses Saturn in. They don't use Neptune, Uranus, and Pluto. And I do use them in location astrology, and I certainly do pay attention to them, because they do have an effect, uh, particularly in progressions and things. But for the most part, you can really, if you use the ancient techniques, Saturn in is, is where the rubber hits the road. It's, it's where everything's going on. So the conception was the commencement of the journey, but the soul being tied into the body was where it all started happening up until we exit. The, the Upanishads, particularly the Tatriyaka um, and some of the minor Upanishads in India, the uh, Egyptian stuff, the uh, Kabbalah stuff, uh, again, what I just quoted, the, the Sefer Haggadah, which is basically, that's a text that that is referred to in the Kabbalah. But yeah, there's all kinds of theories. But, but what I love about Vedic astrology is it supports that theory in a way that's a little hard. I mean, I mean, I've just read thousands of charts in the last 40 years. It, it's like you you see it and you just go, "There's no two charts alike." I mean, I've had people knock on the door, and you know, and particularly in California, when I was doing readings there for years. And I'd look at the chart and go, geez, what just happened to you? And they'd go, you wouldn't believe it. And I'd go, well, try me. I might, <laughs> you know, satanic rituals to some of the most blissful, wonderful things on the planet. And you just don't make this stuff up. I mean, the doshas in Vedic astrology show the releasement of karma. And again, this isn't sun sign stuff. You can see if someone hits a debilitated dasha for a period of years, and those sub-periods are weak or strong, I mean, it's right on. It's like reading a blueprint. It, it, uh, I've seen like one guy, I just got, dang, buddy, what happened? He said, you wouldn't believe it. He said, I was, I was in a prison. I said, yeah, I'll bet you were. Debilitated Mars in the eighth house, aspected by Saturn. I'm like, ouch, you're lucky you're drawing breath. You know, and you, you just can't make this stuff up. It's, it's, and people, they'll say to me, oh, you know so much. Actually, no, I don't. I just learned a science that's actually pretty damn accurate and ancient and sacred. Wow. You know, you've you got to be humble with this stuff because, and, and I also am very careful not to instill fear, fear in people. You know, some people are very unhappy, and they go, well, what can I do? Well, there's, now you draw upon the toolbox of spiritual remedial measures. There's gemstones that you should wear, and there's gemstones you shouldn't wear. There's certain prayers. There's certain mantras. that. Uh, and I deal with so many people in different religions. Like some people, are, they're Jewish, they're Christian, they're Muslim, they're, they're Hindu, they're whatever, or they're, no, they're non-denominational. So you've got to find what resonates with them. And, and um, have you ever heard of the book Daimonic Reality? Yes. Damn good book. Because, see, one person will see Mother Mary, the next person will see Elvis, the next person will see, you know, Shiva, the next person will see Jesus, the next person will see Mo. It, it, I'm not saying or demeaning any of those things. What I am saying is the elemental world is so full of different energies. It's like a, a colossal resonant menu, and and uh, it's 
It's very interesting. Belief is one of the most powerful, magical things in the universe. Why, why are there no astrological influences by other Well, you're stars? right. There isn't about galaxies, but about stars there sure as heck is. Okay. Um, see, now there again, you get into the ancient um, systems, particularly Egypt, India, Chaldean, and the traditional astrology, they absolutely use fixed stars. I use them all the time. Um, fixed stars move slowly, um, so they were used a lot in the formations of cities. They were used a lot in the um, foundations of ca uh, castles. Like, there's actually a mural of George Washington, with, and they're all standing there in their Masonic regalia, and they were literally setting the cornerstone of the Capitol at a good time. It's a national logical chart. So that isn't touted very much, but... The, the electional astrologies, they, they use fixed stars a lot. Now, when I say fixed stars, they're really not fixed because, but they are in terms of our lifetimes. They move, they appear to move about one degree every 72 years only because our solar system is moving that fast. And then, of course, the Earth is whipping around the sun at almost 68,000 miles an hour. The, I think the moon is doing a little over Mach 2.5 around us. We rotate on our axis an average of 1,600 miles an hour. That's what I mean. Ancient astrology was astronomy applied, and they observed fixed stars. Now, galaxies, they did not. And the ancient Vedantic stuff did get into that. They looked at some of that stuff with the yugas. The rishis were called the seers. It's a Sanskrit word for seer. They would see from the angels. Many of the old rabbis would go, like Abelafia, the Maharil, they actually had converse with angels, and that's where I believe this astrology came from. Um, so the, the technique, like here's a good example. One of the things that I saw with that prosecutor in Kansas, she was next to a very malefic star called Fasces, which is one of the most evil stars in the sky. It's the nature of Mars and Saturn, typically rules beheading. She almost was beheaded. He stabbed her so many times, not to be graphic, but um, it was worse than an Alfred Hitchcock movie. It, it was horrible, and she was such a beautiful person. I, I'd actually met her, and I really enjoyed her, but but um, it's sad to see this, and, and um, look at the crazy stuff in the Middle East right now. You know, I mean, people, children beheading people, and, and you know, I mean, yeah. yeah, you would think we'd advanced, but it's all going on here on planet Earth. And, and, but you're right, they don't, for the most part, use galaxies. The only ones, uh, there are a few very occult secret societies that refer to the secret zodiacs using different fixed stars as reference points, and then they drew different zodiacs. So there's quite a bit of that out there, but very occult and very hidden. And when I say occult, I don't mean you know, yeah. evil, I, I mean secret. And um, like like the nakshatras in Jyotish astrology and Nadi use the star groups on a lunar zodiac, which is quite interesting. They're actually projecting star groups within the sidereal lunar zodiac. I always joke around with my astronomer friends. I said, I don't care how much you polish the lenses on your telescopes, you're never going to see this zodiac either, which is... The lunar zodiac, <laughs> you know. So, um, you know, because mo most astronomers will basically walk away in disgust at, at a at an astrologer. 
<laughs> they just uh, don't like it. Well, they're so scientifically bent. Again, there's that power of belief. If if you believe it's soothsaying and crystal balls and turbans, well, then I guess that's where you're relegating it. But um, that wasn't the way it was. Though some people have done that, but for the most part, these were... Most of you are really... Uh, if you ever want to read a fascinating book, it's called The Faded Sky. You'll find most of the scientists, Galileo, Newton... Uh, so many others were all, they were all uh, astrologers. C.S. Lewis alludes to that. In fact, there's a book out that pretty much proves, in my opinion, that Narnia and many of the books by um, C.S. Lewis were veiled references to astrology, particularly he studied in depth ancient astrology. Most, most of the older church fathers were steeped in knowledge on astrology. So where do you put the very first astrologist? I don't know. It's a good question. I would say India and Egypt, we'd have to begin to look at that. But I know some of the real ancient moon die stuff in the Egyptian stuff, I'm talking ancient, ancient Egypt, could be... You know, that relates to the Shemitah. They said there was a golden age that we left about 6,000 years ago. The Hebrew calendar is at 5,775 as we speak. So that means they say God destroys the world. It's kind of like he composts the world, if you will, and regenerates it through major destruction approximately every 6,000 years. That's why the Hebrew calendar is based on that. And we have been in the Sephiroth of Mars for 5,775 years. Well, if you go back to some of the stuff that was laying around and still laying around in really obscure places in India, like southern India and some of the Himalayan places, there's the nadi palm leaves, there's the mundai leaves, there's all kinds of stuff like that that are around in Tibet, too, that date back five, 6,000 years, 4,000. And uh, ancient Egypt has pretty much been broken into and stolen and moved to wherever it's been moved to. And God only knows what they really found, because we're certainly not hearing about it all. But but um, the these people were really into spirits and angels. And some of that stuff's really dangerous. Um, I, I really believe the Solomonic stuff was accurate. King David was, of course, the father of Solomon, King Solomon, um, was the one who incarcerated the demons, and he is extensively used the Goetic Shem Hemophorish. And there's historical evidence that says when the Romans destroyed the temple in about 70 AD or thereabouts, 71, or I forget what date exactly, there was all kinds of strange occult stuff going on, um, weird phenomena. Um, you know, for Christians, it's it said that even at that, there was strange occult phenomena when he was killed on the cross. And I and he's a, a, Christ was actually the lineage of that same lineage, Solomon and and, uh, and King David all the way back. So there's some interesting stuff that the church hasn't told us, and and I really believe they would get this information 
from those angels. There's no bones about it, in my opinion. There's no way somebody empirically derived at that level of sophistication. There's no way. They weren't sitting on camels watching stars and, you know, deducing <laughs> this stuff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I mean, the proof of it is, how can, how can someone from 300 B.C. in Egypt know about the latitude and longitudes uh, above the ecliptic of the Earth when we're sold that in 1492 Columbus sailed the ocean blue to make sure that the Earth wasn't round, wasn't flat, it wouldn't fall off, really? <laughs> and you got math, math. You know, the, the uh, who was it? Um, the Royal Observatory in NASA did a study recently. I got it somewhere. It was probably about five or eight years ago. They were trying to see was the ancient astrologers accurate in their planetary positions called ephemeris. Some of that stuff was within thirty minutes of accuracy. You, you, that's not chance. And this is before slide rules. This is before telescopes. You know, this is there's no way they could have gotten this stuff with with uh, and and people will bug me and I'll say, oh really? Well, then look at some of the documentation. They knew all the orbital latitudes of planets when they were apogee and perigee to the Earth. You don't come up with this stuff by sitting on you know again mountaintops watching planets. It's not a chance. No way. Well, it depends what they're smoking. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, there you go. It wasn't ayahuasca either. Yeah. For um, the listeners, um, how can they get a hold of you and uh, get a hold of your newsletter? Well, if I get one out, um, I haven't written one for six months because, again, I, I felt very ill at this last fall equinox. I don't know if everyone notices, but this last holiday season up until early to mid-January the energy has been just flatlined and that's because the the winter solstice had a really nasty uh, conjunction a new moon on it and and it just wiped everybody out not everybody but a lot of people have been really flattened out so um, I'll get the newsletter out soon but how, how you can get a hold of me is Jeff at JeffHarman.com it's J-E-F-F-H-A-R-M-A-N not O-N uh, dot com, and that's probably the best way because uh, my my wife and secretary, who's really excellent at this stuff, thank God for her, um, handles all all the scheduling and booking, and she's very knowledgeable. and And if people email Jeff at JeffHarmon dot com, she gets it, and she's very efficient at getting back to people and explaining things. And my website has a lot of information on it too. Well, great, and we're, of course we'll post everything on ours as well as the Facebook. Yeah. And uh, really appreciate uh, you spending the time with us today. Yeah, it was very enjoyable. Yes, good questions. Yeah, yeah it's just overwhelming yeah, there how is. much the ancient knowledge was there. And to anyone seeking, it's amazing. There was just a critical translation that came out of Jerusalem um, by, uh, I forget, who was it? Uh, on Abraham Ibn Isra, who again was one of my more favorite astrologers. I also like several others, but he basically was um, showing the efficacy of medical astrology. And people think, you know, anything prior to the 1700s, it was just bloodletting, chopping arms off, and lobotomies. And it actually wasn't. These people would advance knowledge in applications of herbs, selections of plants, cutting them at specific times, administering them. Again, I can't 
give medical advice, and I always tell people it's good to get checked by a doctor, but you'd be amazed at what Ayurvedic astrology and ancient medical astrology offers as far as insights for people to pursue with either their doctor, because I always tell people don't don't mix herbs and medications together. You, you, it's, it, you can wind up dead, but especially the power of modern pharmaceuticals. But it's amazing that the pharmaceutical industry, my mother was trying to get that going with a couple of doctors, and that, forget it. After Rife was killed, or I should say, oops, after he died, um, forget it. They're, they're interested in business. Yeah, oh yeah, it's all about the, uh, the dollar there. And yeah. aren't you, are, are, do you, do you worry about the, um, each generation having less knowledge because they're not really moving forward with a lot of it? You know, I hear that a lot. You know, it's fun. I, I, yeah, it's really fun because, you know, I'm now middle-aged and I have a son who's a teenager and he's just turning a teenager. And I have a lot of more faith in younger people. You know, society likes to paint young people as just horrible and, you know, um, never going to get it. But, you know, there's a divine intelligence that's always permeated this planet. And I see a lot of young kids who are good people. They're very smart and they're intuitive and they're knowledgeable. I, I think it's good that knowledge is passed on. One of the things I mentioned earlier is, is there's, like, literally the last, 25, 30 years for me has been almost bliss because the amount of knowledge that's coming through from many different translators. There's one group, um, the Iranian group, who's translating all these different documents um, out of Latin, Hebrew, Coptic, and we're getting not only just astrology, because I don't really consider myself an astrologer. I use astrology as a tool to do spiritual work for helping people. And I have to say, astrology is one of my main tools, um, but it's not my only tool. Um, because, you know, the goal is to help someone. And, and if, you know, when I see young people throughout history, there's always been crazy people, somewhat crazy people, and divine people, and somewhat divine people, and extremely divine people. And I think... Um, Lots of souls here, of well. every make, and uh, you know I, that's why I have a lot more faith. You know, I see a lot of good people. Yeah, I see a lot of evil ones too. But but you know, look at the amount of people on this planet. There's seven plus billion souls. It's a lot of people. So so where do the souls come from? What's that? Well, where are the souls coming from? There wasn't seven billion on on the earth. That's a good question. I really don't know. I. I <laughs> God, God must be making them pretty fast up there. There's going to be one heck of a soul assembly line. <laughs> I really don't have a snappy answer to that one, my friend. But yeah. um, there are some folks who say there are people born without a soul. Um, I think certain people playing around with certain types of magic can lose their soul. But for the most part, I think souls are pretty protected. Yeah. yeah. If they weren't, and thank God, literally, they are. Um, I don't think most of us would be drawing breath because the fourth hierarchy, which also known as the fallen spirits, which I do absolutely believe exists, I don't think we. I don't think there'd be anybody drawing breath. Hmm. They hate the human race. 
There's so much going on on this planet. It's oh. so divine and so diverse. It's beyond the comprehension of any one drawing breath. Yeah, yeah. Too, too much to think about. Overwhelming. Yeah. Well, it's also kind of when you look out the window and look at a tree or the magic of, I mean, look at the pollution we pour into this planet every day and it comes back. The air is still breathable, you know, and, and all the doomsdayers, you know, oh, the end is near, and it never happens. Well, I think I think that we uh, have an influence, but I think uh, the world will take care of itself, and that means taking care of us. Well, I'm more worried us. about us than the world. I think God will keep the world going. Yeah. <laughs> Even if we screw it up for a short time, it'll regenerate. I mean, yeah. quantum physics says it best. Everything around us is really... The only difference between an atom of dust and an atom of gold or an atom of skin is the electrical makeup. And that's all that we know. I think there's more, more etheric vibrational energy far beyond what, what we're fully capable of measuring. Uh, a good friend of mine, Dr. Claude Swanson, who wrote The Synchronized Universe and also The uh, Interactive Universe, um, he, he and I have had a lot of good discussions on this where there's some people call it organ, some people call it etheric vibrational energy. Quantum physics, you know, is saying that everything is literally interactive consciousness. Now we get if you put angels in the equation, I believe the seraphims, the cherubims and the thrones, which is the first hierarchy, is exactly what quantum physics is seeing, that there's some extremely far beyond measurable intelligence holding all this together. And, and you know, if you think the, the people in the government aren't aware of that, do you know how they make plutonium for nuclear weapons? First it starts out as uranium, planet Uranus. Then it's turned into Neptunian, the planet Neptune. And then it ends up as plutonium, the planet Pluto. So if you think they didn't know that, you know, in terms of, it's quite interesting they use those names. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on on this planet. It certainly is. Yeah. Well, um, I really appreciate the conversation. Yeah, likewise, my friend. All right. Okay. And, uh, well, um, we'll keep in touch. Okay, sounds good. And you take care of yourself. You too. You bet. Many blessings. Bye. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. I'll be back. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.